0: Hi, it's Dating Coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma Podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Suzanne Eder. Suzanne is an award-winning writer, teacher, healer, and personal guide with over 15 years experience helping clients to develop self-love and learn how to listen to and act on their intuition. She's the author of a monthly column for Living Well Magazine, and she's the author of the book, 10 Ways to Find Peace Rather Than Panic When the World Has Gone a Little Crazy. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Suzanne.
1: Thanks for inviting me, Chris. I'm excited to have the conversation with you.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about your background, the work you do, and what inspired you to get into energy healing and wellness?
1: Well, interestingly, um, I'm doing a lot less of the energy healing now than I was, and, what I really help people do through many, through many avenues of which energy healing is one is I help them really get into the flow of their own lives by connecting deeply with who they really are and learning to, to live from that more authentic place. And I got into this because in my own background, my own past, I was not doing that. (laughs) You know, I was not living in the flow of my own life and, um, choices not based on who I was, but who I thought I should be. And, um, in my late 20s, when I was 29 actually, I I got I was I had been married, I got divorced. I realized that I was really unhappy in my job and my career and I just had one of those moments of who whose life am I living? You know, whose life am I really living here? And so that started me on a, a real deep search. And I had I had already become a fitness instructor and I loved that. So my interest in kind of health and fitness started to expand into wellness, emotional mental, spiritual, it just kept expanding, you know, my interest in who we are and what it means to even be healthy and and well. And in that exploration, I discovered this this Barbara Brennan School of Healing. And um, Barbara was a physicist, the founder of the school was a physicist, who happened to also be really gifted in energy, subtle energy perception. So you know she helped me bridge my understanding of who we are and how we operate from the scientific to the more spiritual metaphysical, and that changed my life for sure. Um, so yeah the the program was geared toward training us to be energy healers, meaning working with people hands on uh, to shift their energy fields. But over the years, what I learned I loved more than anything was teaching people about who, you know, how to connect with who they are, how to listen to their own inner selves, their own inner guidance, how to trust themselves, how to create, how to honor their own longings, you know? So it, I love the teaching part of it and the mentoring part of it even more than the energy healing part, although my understanding of energy is what informs everything that I do.
0: What were some of the big things that you took away from that school or from that educational experience?
1: Fundamentally, that we are all energy. That you know, we we look and appear to ourselves and each other as these physical beings with personalities and so forth. But that fundamentally, we are energetic beings living in an energetic universe. And our our thoughts, our feelings, our intentions, uh, they all have, our beliefs have an energetic reality to them. And when we understand that, we start to get a, a bigger picture of how we're creating our own lives. You know, we think we're creating our lives through decisions and actions that we take, but to, there's a deeper dynamic going on. And in fact, our our thoughts and our beliefs and our emotions are creating our experiences moment by moment by moment. And that just, that's a game changer. So when you start to understand that uh, and work with it, you, you start to create your life differently. So that was my big takeaway from the school was just the actual, the reality of that, you know, the reality of energy as our basis.
0: How did that manifest in your life and how does, do you see that manifest? Maybe you can pick a specific example of a a client, but like with your clients.
1: Well, okay. um, Two different things come to mind. So in my own life, and one of the things that, another another thing I took away from the school is the, the importance and the power of what uh, what Barbara called our longings, our soul's longings, our deepest desires. And for many years, I had ignored my own. You know, I I, I always wanted to be a writer, a teacher, um, but that was deemed to be impractical. You know, so I had ignored that and had made decisions based on what I thought I should do to make money and you know was deeply unhappy, and so, through the course of this four year education, I began to more deeply appreciate the significance of my longings they're not our longings are not random they 're not meaningless they're in fact essential to our our guidance they're 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 guiding us they're calling us in the direction of our most fulfilled life so that was a big one for me when I finally understood and gave myself permission to honor um the importance of my own longings. You know, again, they're, they're not random. They're, they're not meaningless. They're, they're purposeful and meaningful. So in, in doing and in understanding the importance that I began then to shift my, my thinking, my beliefs, I to, began to address my fears. So I, I, was, I made a conscious choice then to, to make sure that how I was thinking and focusing and believing was aligned with my desires rather than diminishing them.
0: I want you to expand on that, but the first thing that came up was how does somebody differentiate between a longing and sort of what they think or what they feel is is a need that like might be from external influence or societal influence? Do you see where I'm going with this?
1: yeah, I do that's a great question that was that was what I was learning to discern for myself right because I actually had become pretty convinced um from influences including my father and others i mean i'm not trying to pin it on any one source but you know i i was convinced that what i wanted was to be highly successful in the corporate world and so i got a, i was a double major in accounting and economics and you know went through the whole thing and was really kind of convinced <laughs> that that's that you know, because because it all made sense, right? It makes sense on paper, you know. Gosh, you got to got to get a great education and great skills, and it's all very valuable in the marketplace and the corporate world. And um, so I I didn't really I didn't understand the idea that there is a difference between what we think we want and what we deeply do want. And so the the first place it usually shows up is some level of dissatisfaction, right? Like that's kind of our first indicator that hmm, well maybe what I thought I wanted isn't exactly what I do want. And then it's just really being willing to um, to spend a little more quality time with ourselves, you know, quiet time, inward listening, you know, in my heart of hearts, what do I really want my life to look and feel like? You know, if I wasn't worried about making money, what would I how would I love to be spending my days? You know, just being willing to ask ourselves those questions. You know, one that often yields great results for my clients is, "What have you secretly always wanted to do or be?" You know. So, the truth is, our longings are actually quite recognizable, but we've just been trained to diminish them, to discount them. So the the art of this is understanding, just having understanding. Oh, wait, my longings are actually important, and then just getting curious about how do I how do I discern them, and they they kind of feel differently this is very much a feeling path you know, it's not a thinking path so it's about sitting quietly and saying okay if i for the moment if i take my fears off the table about money and so forth and just kind of settle in with what appeals to me the most what is the most enlivening to me as i contemplate these things that i think i want versus what i might really want so it's it's really fine tuning our own discernment of how things feel to us. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does make sense. I One of the things that sort of comes up is how this can o- evolve and change over time, though.
1: Yes, and it does. It does evolve and change over time, which is all the more reason why we need to stay close to it. What we deeply want does change over time. So uh, part of the learning, too, is it isn't what we want isn't typically a single thing. You know, I could have... I'm a writer and a teacher, but what I write and what I teach has changed over time. Do you know i've written a, I've written one book, I'm in the process of writing another book. I write blog posts, I write newsletters. Like, so I'm a writer. you know I can, just, I can clearly say I'm a writer. Um, am I a New York Times bestselling author? Not yet, but it's writing. It's more so a lot of this is understanding that our longings speak to us in terms of the quality of our lives, not necessarily in terms of specific goals not that there's anything wrong with specific goals, but I'm, what I'm talking about is that, that we, our longings are calling us in a direction here. You're a teacher, you're a writer, you're a musician, you're a this, you're the, you know, they're calling us in terms of a, our state of being, our our kind of a core identity. And so, but the form of that can definitely, and does change over time because we're, we're learning, we're growing, we're, we're seeing more of what we like and more of what we don't like. And, you know, so we're, you know, we're navigating through our life experience and, as we do, our desires naturally change. And that's that's all part of the, of the game, you know, part of the experience.
0: Yeah, I get that. I mean, I was just thinking about how maybe when I was younger, I would want freedom. And as I get older, I want maybe stability and connection, right? And sometimes it's the opposites. Like I'll, I'll try, like I'll, I'll move in a direction and experience something and I'll like, well, actually, what I want maybe is the opposite.
1: Well, and oftentimes we want both. You know, we tend, one of the, most uh, limiting mindsets that many of us have been conditioned into is an either-or mindset or this idea that things are opposite or opposing, when in fact they're very complementary. So it's natural to want freedom. And then as we gain freedom and experience of freedom, it's natural to want to maintain a sense of i have free free will free choice and now i want to experience stability and connection so i'm not it isn't i'm not trading one for the other i'm understanding that those are all aspects of a deeply fulfilled life and i'm allowing myself to want more to yeah to want more and to see how they complement one another
0: when somebody gets this calling is it a nagging feeling is it a voice is it the excitement that they feel when they engage with whatever it is that they're doing. So like maybe they start to feel happy or excited when they're playing the guitar or like, like how does somebody hear this calling?
1: You're exactly on it. But before I go further, I want to say that one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's a, it's a singular thing. It's like the big calling, like I'm, you know, um, like we we've seen many people. Artists are clearly among them. Artists, athletes. You know, there are some people who clearly have kind of a big calling, like a singular, I'll say a singular calling, you know. A lot of us don't have a singular one. We have many things that light us up, but that really is that's the thing. You want to pay attention to what lights you up. You know, as you're engaging with it, you feel alive. You feel like yourself. Like, wow, I really feel like me when I'm doing this, whatever that might be, or thinking this or engaging with people in this way or um, that kind of thing. Like for example, for me, I love. I'm a deep thinker. I'm a very. I'm very oriented metaphysically. I love having conversations that are deep and stimulating. Um, I love that. And that's. Is that a career in itself? No, of course not. But it's an element of the work that I do. You know what I mean? I, I've. It's. I've consciously uh, moved in the direction of work that allows me to. Um, to satisfy that. To satisfy that desire within me. So this idea of a calling isn't often a singular thing it's more of an understanding that anytime we honor what we love what lights us up we're moving in the direction of greater fulfillment does that make sense
0: yeah it does yeah I'm just like making notes that I think it's a I mean it's beautiful how have you seen this change some of your clients lives
1: <sighs> let's see Um well, several come to mind, and I don't want you know, I want to be respectful of people's privacy, but um, so I have a client who, I do tend to attract clients often who are leaving the corporate world or who want to leave the corporate world <laughs> to pursue something a little more close to their hearts or souls. So I have a client who um, had been in the corporate world also for probably, I don't know, 20 years or something close to it. And um and wasn't wasn't fulfilled you know f- felt kind of stale and she toward the end there had moved sort of from job to job looking for something that was more fulfilling but in our through our work together following these principles of you know first giving herself permission to acknowledge her longings to want what she really wants um and to 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 get curious about that to meditate on that to reflect on that to to follow her impulses to get curious about it so what she's what she's done is discovered a whole new way. What she wants to do is um, what she loves most is children. And so anyway, she's in the process now of making a complete change in career, toward one that um, not only is one that where she'll work with children, but she'll work with them in a way that really honors um, how she thinks and feels. Like the 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 system that she's learning is one that's very much uh, aligned with what she believes is important for young people to be exposed to. So it's just been this lovely. Now, granted, have there been times of, of you know, fear and and, un, and uncertainty? Yes, there have been. And yet, you know, she keeps deepening her own, just like I did, deepening her own understanding of how, how vital her longings are. and are they're life giving. Like she just sent me an email a little while ago saying that she's, you know, she started an internship in this new field, and she looks forward to going to work in the morning. Like that's you know, which. For years, she did not. So it's something that that simple but also essential. So in following her longings, she's creating a more enlivening life, a more fulfilling life.
0: You, you mentioned meditation and a few different things. My next question, and, and this is probably part of the answer, I'm assuming, but how does somebody create space for this awareness? Because I think so many of us are are self-medicating or overstimulated with like all these things that are constantly beeping at us and buzzing at us and notifying us. And so how does the person create the type of space to have the connection you're describing with their intuition?
1: It has to start with an intention because I get it. Even uh, you know, even years ago when I first started meditating, it was challenging, and that was before we had all the, you know, as much of the digital interference that we have today. <laughs> um, it's always been a challenge, but now you're right. It's I think it's a greater challenge than ever. So it has to start with a, with an intention, which um, which is easier to to set. Like, okay, I'm going, I'm I'm going to set an intention to create this space in my life, space and time for myself. It's easier to set that if if there's an understanding of the value of it. Um, so that's why I do like to uh, share stories such as the value of meditation. Like I've had clients who who literally their lives changed almost solely from the practice of meditation because it got them in touch with themselves in a whole different way. Um, I can come back to another story about that. But once you understand or are willing to believe that it has tremendous value, then it's a matter of setting an intention and just experimenting with different ways to do it. And meditation is just such a it's so simple you don't need any special equipment you don't even need a special place as long as you can get some quiet time within whatever place you're in Uh, it can be learned by anyone and it's just so um so deeply nourishing so meditation it doesn't have to be a long time i i encourage people to start with as little as five minutes a day and try to expand that to you know 15 or 20 uh, over time and what happens is they want to, you know, you you start and it, you feel so good that you want to expand that time. So, but then it, it really is an exploration, like what time of day am I more likely to want to sit down? You know, you have to just kind of play with a little bit. Some people meditate first thing in the morning, other people on their lunch break. I encourage people, like if they're driving, if they have a job that they drive to, before they get out of their car and rush into the office, take three to five minutes right there to do a simple centering meditation. So, it's looking for, you know it's finding how it fits in your life but it, the self connection also comes from being in nature like that's a hugely powerful way to connect with yourself is to be in nature be totally present with the sights and sounds of nature and it'll it'll relax you and open you to personal insights that weren't available until you re- until you relaxed and opened you know so being in nature is one another way um mindful forms of movement like yoga or Tai Chi. Um, they're tremendously helpful. It's it's all about uh, spending time with yourself with the intention of being with yourself. But again, for me, meditation is just so powerful. And so is journaling. I'm a huge fan of journaling. Not everybody is. Uh, but even those who were initially skeptical of it or resistant to it, when they tried it, they realized how helpful it is so uh, journaling is another method of self-connection that I highly recommend um, that tends to take a little more time it doesn't have to but typically a really juicy journaling session is it, you know at least 15 minutes probably half an hour so if you're looking for ways to start uh, in a schedule that's really really pressed for time I think meditation is the simplest uh, and most effective place to start
0: i wonder if you could maybe define these three things a little bit. So if somebody's listening and they don't know where to get started, um, they'll have a little bit more guidance. So can you define what it means to set an in- intention, help define like what a somebody should be doing when they're meditating, what they should be thinking about or not thinking about what that process is like. And if somebody journals, like what should they be journaling about?
1: Okay, great. First around, intention is really a decision. It's, and the key about intention, the heart of intention is desire. So it's, it, it's de- so let's say I now re- have reached the point where I desire more self-connecting time. I desire to connect with myself and I, I desire to start a meditation practice and I will. So it's a combination of desire and commitment. That's, that's the intention. So I'm, I'm desiring this and I'm making a commitment. I've decided I'm going to commit to it. That's an intention. That's how I'm using the word intention in this case. So that's it. So, but, cause if you don't, if you don't decide that, if you don't then you'll just keep waffling and saying, Oh, I really should, you know, gosh, I should, I, but at some point you have to just say, yes, I want this and I'm going to find, I'm going to explore this until I find a way to make it work. So that's the intention setting. It's really a decision point. Now meditation, of course, as you know, there are just, Hundreds of thousands of books on meditation, different types, different purposes, so forth. So, um, so I'll just describe the the kind that I do, or that I coach clients to do. That's more specifically focused toward inner listening. And uh, here's just a simple uh, a simple one that I that I actually did not I didn't design this. This actually comes from the Institute of HeartMath. There's a it's a group out in Colorado that has done tremendous scientific research on primarily the heart, but also the heart's connection with the brain. And this this meditation that I'm gonna describe is very simple. And what it does is it does quiet the the normal thinking mind, which is one of our objectives here, is to kind of quiet your normal thought processes. All the chatter, all the I should, I shouldn't, here's what's next, here's my to-do list. It's quiet all of that and connect more deeply uh, to your heart. So in this particular meditation, it has just three steps. And the first step is that you, well, you close your eyes perhaps is the first step. You, you actually t- gently touch you know, a few fingers or a hand or both hands o- over your heart. So you just make a physical connection with your heart, which then draws your focus there. So is you're focusing on your heart uh, through this light touch, And then you intentionally slow your breathing down. There's a lot of science around this, that as we slow our breathing down, we induce what's called the relaxation response rather than continuing to live in the stress response. So you slow your breathing down to about five or six seconds each on the inhale and the exhale. Nice and simple. You don't force it, but you really intend, you really just... Practice the slowing down of deep, relaxed breathing. So that's the second part of this. So you do that for you know a few rounds of breathing. Your hand is still resting lightly on your heart. And then uh, the third aspect of this is then you just intentionally evoke some heart-centered feeling, such as compassion or kindness or generosity, some some feeling state that you have experienced before, and just kind of remember it, evoke it, bring it into the moment. And then just do that for several minutes. In as little as three minutes, uh, what's happening physiologically is the physical heart is being connected to the brain, um, which creates heart-brain coherence, and it gives us access to our heart wisdom. There's actually a little mini brain in our hearts Little sensory neurites that function the way the neurons in our brain do it's a there's a lot of, more to it than I can possibly explain on this call, but it's really fascinating um so I recommend visiting the Institute of heart maths uh, their website but anyway you're you're helping your body physiologically to to relax, uh which then invites all this you know, cell repair and all kinds of good things are happening physically in our bodies as a result of this, but we're also um Again, creating this, this heart-brain coherence, which gives our our brains access to heart wisdom, which is where that this inner listening is, is where this inner wisdom is, this inner guidance is. So, if you just do that um, for as little as three minutes, but you know, if it's ideally for longer than that, and just relax into it, just relax into it. and just just have that become a practice. Then what happens, you know, over time, is you start to just, as you're coming out of it, you start to have insights, things that occur to you that are coming from the heart because you've slowed down enough and given it the space and time to listen. You can even use this meditation if you have a question, like you're trying to make a decision and you're not sure which way to go. Just have that be the question that you're asking your heart and use this meditation to quiet the mind and get into that heart and mind connection and just see what your intuition is telling you. It really is just another way to tap into intuition. So, yeah, a, a very simple meditation that anyone can learn and practice that uh, has great, great benefits.
0: You said Heart Math, is that right?
1: The, uh, the Institute of Heart Math. Okay. H- the, the word, I think it's the words, you know, Heart Math, all is one word. The Institute of Heart Math. And they've done a lot of research on. Uh, the electromagnetic field of the heart and how it if, how it can affect all aspects but not only our physical bodies but our lives because it sends out signals to the universe it sends out signals that are being responded to by other subtle energies so it's just fascinating stuff
0: and journaling
1: journaling ah uh, my favorite <laughs> Well, I don't know. I guess the two of them to, to combined are my favorite. So journaling. There's so many ways to journal, but I think for the purposes of our conversation here and what we're talking about in terms of this uh, inner listening, is to start with a prompt. Just ask yourself a question, an open-ended question, such as, "What am I most longing to create or experience in my life right now?" Or, if I wasn't afraid, what would I love to be doing as a career just so start with a question, just write it at the very top of the page, and then pause. I always you know always the pause there because typically the question itself is going to trigger your normal thoughts and fears about it, so you want to pause, put the pen down or the put your take your hands off the keyboard if you're if you're typing, but you know pause, close your eyes, take some deep breaths, and just, again, just kind of intend invite your own inner wisdom to respond and then start writing and do what's called free writing, which is just keep writing, just keep writing without censoring, without analyzing, just write, 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 like just write for a good 15 minutes and see what comes. And what typically happens is the first things that we start writing are the things that we normally think. But if we keep writing, we don't just stop there. We don't just stop at our habitual thought patterns. We just keep writing. Then what can emerge are these deeper these uh, longings, these deeper feelings, these deeper aspirations. If, again, because just giving it time and space. That's a simple journaling technique that can be very helpful.
0: After somebody gets this stuff out and they get it on paper, should they go back through it? Should they just let it settle? Um, what would be the next step?
1: I definitely would say, definitely read what you wrote. You know, you can if you need a set of time or a timer, set a timer, then just read what you wrote and then just reflect on it. Don't don't jump into conclusions. Or an, that's the key here is the mind wants to figure things out and jump into action before the the deeper longings and and deeper wisdom have had a chance to really surface and be understood. So it's really more about. So you read it and just reflect. How, how does it feel like? What what aspect? Again, you're always. It's always a feeling. You're always kind of feeling your way through. Like what aspects of this really light me up? Like ooh, this has that has a tingle. I always say go for the tingle. You know. So you're just you're you're kind of being a sleuth here. You're 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 learning about yourself in a new way and um, just, look, just looking for the things that have energy for you. And then you can, you know, when you when you get more practiced at this. Um, you can you can, you can can learn to ask more questions of yourself. So like let's say that I did a free write on what I would most love to do, right? If I didn't have fear. And let's say that what came out was, oh man, I would just love, I would love to be an author. I'd love to go in, I'd love to publish books and be interviewed, or, you know, something like that came out. And uh, like, and I'm reading it thinking, yeah, that sounds really, that really has some life for me. Well, then the next time I journal, I could take that as my starting point. Um, What do I, and ask questions such as, what do I love about that idea? Just keep keep opening it up, in other words. So you wanna ask open-ended questions that are, by the way, very uh, supportive in their orientation, not, what's wrong with me for thinking this? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? We're not not using this as an exercise to to judge ourselves. Like, that's the stupidest idea. We wanna actually, you know, supporting ourselves, like practicing being an advocate for ourselves through the types of questions that we ask like how is, how might this be possible for me you know what what might this look like what would i love to write about you know so, so ask more questions that invite more um inner wisdom to surface
0: so each each time it's a deeper inquiry
1: exactly exactly and yeah and at some point when so now, now what we're doing is building momentum we're building energetic momentum toward what we want whereas what we typically have done—not I shouldn't—I mean this is a gross generalization—but you know if you're in, in a place that you're feeling dissatisfied, w- what you've probably typically done is uh, not uh, not not allowed your deeper knowing and longings to to gain momentum, so you've kind of squashed them. So in this in these using these techniques, these processes, we're actually creating the space and the focus because our focus on something is what creates. Uh, momentum. So you're focusing on asking questions about it, listening in. Now it starts to have momentum. Then at some point we start to get ideas. Oh, I could call so and so. Oh, I could do this. Or interestingly, what can also happen because our thoughts are energetic, which means they have a vibration. We start to attract into our lives people who, who know something about this. You know, it starts to to build a. There's synchronicity that occurs. We start to follow, uh, that's why I say get into the flow of our lives. So as we start to, to honor these, the deeper wisdom, the deeper longings through our focus, through our attention, through our journaling, our meditation, so now we're building this energetic momentum. Well, now we're, we're inviting other ideas of our own into, into our minds, th- things that we can start putting into action, as well as inviting um, other opportunities into our lives that show up.
0: That's awesome. You've been talking a lot about energy healing, but I don't know if we quite defined it. So if somebody who has never heard of it or this is the first time they've ever heard somebody talk about it, how would you define it?
1: Let me, if I could, Chris, just real quick, I'll, I'll come back to that I promise. I just wanted to um, follow that last conversation, part of conversation we had with an example from okay, my experience. That'd be great. But I think examples are really helpful. So um, early on when I was Leave, I left the corporate world to start my own business here as a, you know, coach and transformational coach, and um, you know, didn't know anything about getting my myself out in the world, marketing, promotion, that kind of thing. So somebody suggested to me, somebody whose opinion I very much respected, "Oh, you should do a TED talk." And at that time, you know, I had a, I, um, I was giving what I call giving my power away to others. I was doing what others said I should do. <laughs> you know, to, to grow my business. It was very similar to I majored in accounting because I thought I should. So I had that same tendency to listen to other people's ideas rather than my own. So I was, you know, this person said, you should, you should do a TED Talk. So I, I thought, okay, well, I guess I should. So I, I started, you know, I did what I could, did some research, how does this happen? And everything led to a dead end. I, it, it just didn't happen. So fast forward a couple of years, I'm, I've been doing the work longer, I'm much more at ease in the work, much more confident about my ability in the work, I've developed many new perspectives, many new nuances of of perception that I can share with people. So I'm in a different place, vibrationally, you know, and uh, just, you know, feeling really good about uh, doing the work I love. And and of course, wanting—I have a desire to expand my reach, to expand my work in the world. And then, what happened in it, in the span of about one week, two of my clients emailed me and said, "Suzanne, I've recommended you to give a TED talk." <laughs> um, so, without any effort on my part, you see what I mean? It, it just—it because my vibration was different. My vibration was different. I was—I had uh, in those intervening years, I had started to listen to myself. Like, what do I have the energy to do? And I, so I started to follow my own guidance. And then, what came to me was this opportunity to submit, you know, I was I was recommended for a TED Talk. So, uh, you know, the person who organizes them here in Wilmington reached out to me and um, invited me to submit a proposal, which I did, you know, quickly and easily. It was accepted right away, boom. So I got into the, that whole, I got into the TED Talk experience with great ease. I mean, not, believe me, I put, I put a lot of work into the talk. <laughs> but um, it was a completely different kind of experience because... I was uh my energy, my my own energy, my own vibration was at a much more stable um level, one where I would had much more confidence and much more um willingness to be seen out in the world. Whereas before I was still kind of a newbie, you know, and I had I had all these doubts that were self doubts that were influencing my vibration.
0: Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristman.com, create account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows, attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. Like in my own language, I might say that like early on you were, you were doubting yourself and, you pro- and it would have been more of something you would have had to force. And it sounds like later on, like now, it was something that... Sort of came into your life, and you were ready for that that opportunity. And and because you're paying attention to yourself, you you are aware of yourself. You knew that you were aware. You were ready for that opportunity. So the time, like it made the timing right.
1: Exactly. It was, and it was very intentional. Like I'm on this intentional path of of mastering my own vibration, of you know bringing coherence into my own energy field. So yes, in that process, I was able to then to get on the same channel of, like if you think, I think often in terms of frequencies, energetic frequencies as channels. So if, you know, I want to be offering value to the world and being seen and heard, that's, you know, that's a certain frequency of vibration. And that's where things like opportunities like the TED Talk are. They're on that same because they want to help people reach the world. You know, so there's there's an energetic match. Earlier on, I just wasn't there because of my doubts and because I kept giving my power away to others. Tell me what, I should do, rather than what I was ready and willing to do. But again, when you think in terms of vibration. Um, the reason I wanted to use that example was because it—I had mentioned in, in this thing about synchronicity—and um, as we build momentum, as we build that momentum around what we want, why it's possible, why we're good at it, you know, as we build that that energy and momentum, it not only generates ideas in our own minds about things we can do; it just Invites opportunities right to us.
0: I definitely can see that. That's, I mean, you can apply to any aspect of life. But whether like it's relationships or business opportunities or friendships or some new interest or activity, like I I definitely know that there are periods in my in my life where like I I thought I wanted something, I tried to force it, and later on, it came around at a time that was a lot better for me, and like it just was a lot easier and at at the time where i was trying to force it there were probably other opportunities that were there that i was ignoring which probably would have been better for me at that time
1: yes yeah it's the thing we're so conditioned because we don't understand ourselves as energetic beings we're so conditioned to think in terms of action right away here's where i am here's what i want here's the action i should take to get there but when we start to understand the the subtleties of our Of our vibrational mix, um, we you know had you you know when angels are more aware of our mix, like we 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 become more aware. Yeah, I want this, but I have a lot of doubt about it, or I have a lot of resistance to it. So if I try to if I try to take action with this vibrational mix, I'm going to get mixed results. So our job is always to keep finding ways to focus, kind of lovingly and supportively on what we want, who we are, you know, listen to the inner wisdom, the inner guidance, and then yeah, then we then our energetic. Our personal vibration becomes more and more of a match to what we want.
0: When you say vibrational mix, what does that feel or sound like in our body? Is it conflicting emotions? Is it conflicting thoughts? Is it hesitancy?
1: Anything? Yes, it's it's all of that. It's all, but it's also the feeling on point satisfied so like to consider that everything about you has a vibration so your desires have a vibration like oh i want it i'm not sure what yours are but you know um i have the desire to be a best-selling author or i have a desire whatever it might be so i have these desires and i have these thoughts about it such as i'm a great writer but i don't know anything about getting published so we have all these thoughts that may or may not be in alignment with the desire, and we have feelings about those thoughts. So all of those things have have vibration. And um, when we have, as you said, conflicting thoughts or conflicting emotions, it feels like things like frustration or it feels like um, discouragement or, you know, uh, cynicism. So those those feeling states are really very, provide very valuable information. Because when I have a, when I'm feeling a, an uncomfortable feeling of mind, worry, something—that's my signal that I've got conflicting thoughts. I've got—I'm I'm somehow or other not thinking in a way that's aligned with who I really am and what I really want. So you're right. That's how we notice. That's how we understand. That, that's how this energy shows up. To, for most of us, it, it's through our emotions. but a lot of us also have this kind of a felt sense. It, it's, all of this is in the world of feeling. You know, the, the feeling helps trigger the awareness. Oh, gosh, yeah, I guess I really do think that I don't have what it takes for this. You know, I gotta, l- let me look at that. Let me turn that around. So the, the it, it is through the feelings that we become aware of our vibrations.
0: Like I think about my clients, right? And, and like, let's say that um, I have a, a male client and he wants to approach a woman across the room and talk to her because he's interested in her. But that brings up anxiety for him because he's scared that maybe he'll get rejected and and that maybe that's real, but that also might be a a very irrational fear based in who knows what um whether it's instinct or past experience how does somebody recognize that they're feeling an irrational fear or are there such a things such things as irrational fears <laughs> like i'm I'm curious how, what your your thoughts are on this or feelings are on this oh
1: that's a it's a great question chris um I think, at the most fundamental level, there are no rational fears, but there we can understand them. Our fears always come from a thought. So the thought that I'm not lovable, or I'm not worthy, or you know, a lot of us have those kinds of thoughts, and those thoughts feel really bad, <laughs> and they create this thing that we're calling anxiety. Um, so it, it's just so important to get that, to get the the, the feeling of anxiety. Is reflective of some kind of a thought process and if it feels that bad then some part of it just can't be true because my my work is is grounded in the in the belief and understanding that we are each one of us our essence is magnificent it's creative powerful talented you know all in diverse unique ways but that our our true selves are really magnificent and um, anything that we believe other than that is going to feel bad but Again, bringing it back to this more specific situation, um, if I was working with a client who wanted to be in a relationship, I would certainly be working with them to develop a sense of self, uh, of self worth, um, before they even put themselves in situations where they're going to be talking to people. Because, yeah, you know, they they need to stabilize. I use the term strengthen and stabilize. So I would, the, my approach would be to say the first relationship you need to focus on is the one with yourself. You've got to cultivate whatever whatever you want in a relationship. You've got to cultivate that within yourself. So if I want to be respected, I want to be trusted, I want to be listened to, I want to be cared for, I want, you know, all those things we got to develop within ourselves because, again, vibrationally, you know, how we treat ourselves forms the the vibrational foundation for how others will treat us. So I would work with... With a client like that who, ha- who has tended to have anxiety and, and like back to your question of rational fears. Well, what happens is, you know, we have these kind of subterranean beliefs that we're not good enough and that we're going to be rejected and blah, blah, blah. And then we go into a situation and sure enough, because we have these fears, that's what we attract. That's, that's what shows up. It's a, it's a vibrational match. So now our fears are, are quote, justified. See, I knew it. And now we've just fortified the vibration of, i'm not good enough i'm going to be rejected so it's just it's a continuing loop you know i have a vibration then i i attract an experience that that matches it because i have that experience now i have further proof that i really am unworthy it just becomes this like continuing repetitive loop so we have to you know call time out to all of that and understand that i cannot create a different outcome if i'm hold, harboring beliefs in my own unworthiness at any level and then so cultivate the relationship with self until there's a, a greater stability. And, I, and, and the, the, kind of the irony or the paradox is when we, when we don't need a relationship, but just want one for the fun of it, that's when we're in the best place to attract it, right? Because if we're needy, you know, if we're thinking that we need someone to complete us, um, guess what we're gonna get? Somebody else who who's, uh, feels incomplete it's about bringing a sense of wholeness within and then creating different experiences from that vibration just like i created a, you know i got the ted the ted talk and of course it wasn't a romantic thing but the ted talk came to me when i was more whole, more whole and grounded within myself and my value and the same is true for for personal relationships
0: so how does somebody recognize that they need self, self-love how, how do they cultivate it and how do they identify what are these limiting beliefs that they're hol- or traumas that they might be holding?
1: Well, how we know that we, I, I, my, my own belief is all of us could benefit from greater self-love <laughs> just because there's no, no such thing as too much. But um, so when we're experiencing something like what you described, right? When if, I'm, if I want a relationship and yet what I get is rejection, that's my signal that I need to cultivate greater self-love. But it's true also if, if I want a new job and I keep getting stymied. Somehow or other, I'm not recognizing... When I say self-love, I don't mean just being nice to myself. I mean really recognizing the truth of who we are. So it's recognize, it is recognizing our talents and our brilliance and offering ourselves compassion and respect and listening to ourselves. It's, 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 a, it's a much deeper experience than just being nice to ourselves. Um, so whenever something is not happening in our lives that we want it's an opportunity to say okay where what do i believe what am i believing to be true about myself or what's possible in my life that is not serving me here and whatever that belief is is clearly not a loving belief right um and it really isn't it's the best way to identify these limiting beliefs is just to kind of get into the, like get into the feeling state like I'm so frustrated I want this per I want to get a relationship but I just I just haven't been able to pull it off and just ask yourself what, what is that feeling telling you is the reason why and whatever that is that's your limiting belief I mean there's usually more than one but but it really is just kind of that basic so there's that uncomfortable feeling um, just like you mentioned before anxiety I'm going to be rejected that means What's one step below, I'm gonna be rejected. Because why? Because I'm not good enough? Because I'm unattractive? Because, you know, there's, there's some belief right, right there, right underneath of it, that's the limiting belief.
0: Once, you've, once a person has identified the limiting belief, what, what do they do, or what should they do?
1: Well, then there's, it, it really depends on what the nature of it is. Um, the first thing is to, to really get, this is a belief not a truth. It's a belief that, I've, that because I've believed it, I've created experiences that match it, and therefore it seems true, but it's not really true. So you have to first kind of really get that. Like this is just a belief. And as I change my beliefs, I'm going to change my experience. So um, depending on the nature of the belief, sometimes um, the belief is just so, once you see it, once you really see it for what it is, you're just like, oh my God, you just let it go. You just can just let it go and move on. All you need to do is actually just see it for what it was. Other ones are a little trickier, like people who believe they're unattractive, right? If that's a limiting belief, well, I'm always I'm rejected because I'm unattractive. Well, if you look at unattractive, they're going to say no, unattractive. That's that's a fact. Like they're going to it's going to be hard for them to see it as a belief. However, it is a belief, <laughs> you know. So, so with something like that, then there there's a you know you just want you want to be willing willing to see things differently, willing to challenge it. I call it poking holes. You know, let's poke holes in this belief. You know, and I have a series of questions that I, I'll i take people through to kind of just lessen the hold that their beliefs might have on them. Like, is that, you know, I mean, it starts with, is that really true? Like, Really, is that true all the time? You know, is it possible it's not true? Are there elements of you that you know are attractive? Like you just kind of take them through, you take or take yourself through, um, again, an inquiry, like, is this really true? What if I believed it wasn't true? How might my life be different then? So there's just a, you know, you just kind of work with it. You try, you intentionally try to turn it around, see it differently. Just being willing to do that lessens the hold.
0: This makes me think about like, what if somebody says, like, I can't run a marathon, like, like, and, and they haven't trained for it. Then there's like a, a real physical limitation.
1: No, I get what you're saying. Like, but there's a, between saying I can't yet run a marathon because I haven't trained versus I could, I don't have what it takes to run a marathon.
0: Yeah, I see.
1: Right. Uh, you know, so those are the beliefs that I'm talking about.
0: Even then, like, let's say somebody says I can't run a marathon and they say, well, why can't I explore it? And they just, they got there and they run, their body's going to tell them that they can't run it. <laughs> and, and if they're listening to their intuition, like my body aches, my knees hurt, I've only ran three miles that's essentially its own sort of intuitive feedback like where's the line between between what somebody is capable of right now and what they might be capable of in in the future
1: so let's use this marathon as a great example Um, if the desire is genuine first of all if they're listening to their inner selves as opposed to it, what's something they think they should do. Oh I, I should run a merit because we you know we have desires for different reasons. So it comes back to the first question you asked me. That's a great point. How do
0: you,
1: yeah. you tell? So but let's assume for this conversation for this part of it that they've okay, I, I am listening, I, you know, I really want this. I the thought of it just lights me up. Like I'm really clear. This is something I really want to do. If they're staying close to their inner self, they will they'll be guided. They'll find the perfect trainer. Do, do you know what I mean? Like the I see or you know, and so I have experiences like you're describing. Okay, I'm, I, I push myself a little bit. Now my knees ache. Okay, now I, I got to pull back. I got to find a different approach. So, it's the inner guidance stays with us each step of the way as long as we stay close to it.
0: Yeah, I, I understand. I, I used a, a physical example um, because it might be a little bit more obvious than than maybe changing career paths or finding love, um, because I, like we we end up with these physical limits. But I, I can imagine somebody trying to force. If they say like this is their calling, they want to do this, and and they start trying to force it every day, and their knees hurt, they might end up with like a muscle tear or something. So, um, going back to what you're saying about this inner inner guidance, it's I can empathize with and sort kind of see what like where the what you're saying also applies to this, just like listening to the body.
1: Absolutely, and by the way, you know even what we think we can do physically, so much of that is coming from the mind, you know, there was, there's was there been a lot of, there, back in the day, there was a lot of, a lot of people wrote about how there was a time when people thought you couldn't, nobody could run less than a, a mile in less than four minutes. Like it was just absolutely believed that it wasn't phys- physically possible until, until somebody did. And then, you know, <laughs> so what's so much of what we think are, are, are real physical limitations, even those are beliefs.
0: mean that's a great example. For somebody who is, has a lot of fear or doubt or self-judgment. Um, are there any other effective strategies in your experience that they should, that they should try to apply or use?
1: I mean, there are many, the, the key, before, but before you apply any technique or strategy, there has to be, again, sort of an understanding, um, an intention, again, back to the intention, I intend To love myself I intend to trust myself I intend to live a life where I feel good in my life you know where I do trust and honor myself so you start kind of with that this is what I believe is possible and what I want and so therefore I intend it and when you start from that place then when you start feeling doubt or self-judgment it's easier to say wait a minute this is just a habit of thought that I developed back when I didn't believe in myself back when I thought I, you know, so you you start to just, it's easier to kind of separate from it a little bit. Once you get, once you get a clear uh, intention around, I'm going to love myself through life here. I'm going to love myself into a life I love. That's why I call it the alchemy of love. I'm going to love myself into a life I love. And that means I'm going to honor myself. I'm going to support myself. I'm going to respect myself. I'm going to listen to myself. So doubt and judgment, they just don't, they don't belong in that kind of a life. So when I under, at least understand that intellectually, it makes it a little easier in any given moment to remind myself, okay, wait a minute, this thought that I'm having that's, that's self-doubting isn't helping me. How can I see this differently? So a lot of it's just being willing to do that. You know, it's just in the moment. Just like we are talking about before, just, you know, in these examples, like, okay, um, I really can't run it. What was I thinking? I can't run a marathon. I can't even run three miles. You know, that kind of thought that might come up. It's like, okay, that thought's not helpful at all. How can I see it differently? I can, I can see it like, okay, well, I, I couldn't run three miles before. Now I can run three miles. And I'm learning how to listen to my body. I'm learning how to pace myself. It's just turning around how we see things. That's, I mean, that's just a basic um, practice to, that we want to to like okay every time I'm when I'm aware that I'm speaking to and about myself in ways that are doubtful or judgmental um, it's being willing to in that moment pause take a deep breath and then shift focus towards something that's more supportive and honestly that to me, that's the power practice right there it, it's really being becoming mindful of the way we talk to ourselves and think about ourselves and being unwilling to keep engaging with those kinds of thoughts that make us feel less than. And just pulling back, again, pull back, pause, refocus, shift towards something that's more supportive. And do it over and over again until that becomes the habit. You know, that those the habits of doubt and judgment, that's what they are. They're habits of thought, and they have a certain momentum to them. So those thoughts keep you know occurring because we're used to those kinds of thoughts. So there's a little bit of a transition period that we go through where those thoughts keep showing up, but our job is not to engage with them, not to keep believing them, but to step back, pause, refocus on something that is supportive. And then the more we do that, now we're now we're building the momentum in a supportive direction. And over time, those are the thoughts that, that show up.
0: How long does it take to do this, Suzanne? Like let's say somebody has there's a lot of uh, a lot of noise in their head, like um and th- and they need to sort of reorient themselves in the way that you describe. how long does it take to make some of these h- habitual changes in thought?
1: You know there's no way to predict honestly chris there's just no way to predict it because each person is so uniquely different um, I think the thing to it, it, it's going to take the time it takes, but it doesn't have to take a long time. I always tell people this doesn't have to take a long time, but be kind to yourself while you're in this change process you know because you're, you're going to have those thoughts that feel bad and you're going to believe them and then you're going to have to you know talk yourself back out of them again so it just again it's, it's not the whole process is an opportunity to develop self uh, self-compassion um it doesn't have to take a long time but it does take some time um and there are certain kinds of thoughts that take a longer time than others <laughs> to, to sh- I have to say, so you you could conceivably change, you know, certain beliefs quickly. Like I'll say in a couple of days or weeks, others you might take a couple of months. So, but it's not it's not years. Do you know what I mean? Like it, I mean, it could, I shouldn't say it's not years. It could be years depending on how much resistance you have. But if there's a real intention around this, um, it'll happen. And this is also bringing back bringing it back to meditation. Meditation is so helpful in this regard because the more, as we meditate, we start to realize. Uh, we start to get in the habit of quieting our minds, right, and not not believing every thought we think. And that practice makes it easier. It, it teaches us to step back from our thoughts, to step back, to realize that I'm not. That those thoughts aren't me unless I believe them to be me. Like who I am is is the is the awareness, the one who's aware of the thoughts. So meditation really helps in this whole approach. It helps us to to disengage from our usual habits of thought. Which often are not helpful. So the more often, so when we're in meditation, meditation is kind of the absence of thought. I mean, not not in as most of us have thoughts, but we don't we don't engage. We, we get we learn we learn in meditation not to engage with our thoughts, and that's such a powerful skill to have.
0: It sounds like a lot of your work is going a little bit further, right? It's like it's a clearing, but it's also this deep connection to Our emotions and our intuition
1: yes 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 our uh, you know again this is a gross generalization but uh, for many of us in this Western culture we you know the the, the rational logical mind is prized and we're taught how to think and to analyze and project and things like intuition insights impulses uh, those things are not understood as the important elements of our fulfillment that they really are that they truly are that's how our inner self speaks to us our you know our wise self our true self you know the part of us that is that is magnificent speaks to us through our intuition through our deep feelings through our insights um so cultivating those things uh, is crucial to having a a more deeply fulfilled life because again think about it fulfillment it's a feeling place right it's Fulfillment is a feeling, so when we shift toward feeling our way through life rather than thinking our way through life, um, we open ourselves to deeper feelings.
0: And we've talked a lot about this, but maybe you could crystallize it a little bit. But how do our beliefs and intentions impact the way that we show up in the world?
1: They impact the way we show up in the world both through our own choices. In other words, if I be- if I believe that I am not enough in some way or unworthy then i will show up in the world uh in in a way that is um not confident right in in a way that is uh, self-doubting I'll, those those are the kinds of thoughts that come from a belief in unworthiness so i'll show up in the world in hesitant um that these are just examples of how i might show up in the world but and again because of the vibrational thing I will likely attract to me experiences that match it. So I mean, this is, you know, we've seen this with uh, people who have been abused as children. You know, they develop this belief that they're, there's something wrong with them, right? Or else they, nobody, somebody wouldn't be hurting me if, if I was okay. So they, they develop a belief there's something wrong with me. Well, then that belief, that vibration, even as they grow and move out of the household, they're attracting partners who are abusive, it's because there's a, there's a fundamental g- gross distorting false belief in their worthiness so that's 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 the, i mean that's how powerful beliefs are they don't just affect the choices that we make they they affect the situations that we find ourselves in
0: i i think about my own relationships and one of the things i realize is that sometimes in my own relationships I'll get to a point where something will come up and maybe like, a, it will trigger something inside me. And in the past, maybe I'll like, let's say I, I ignore it and then something else comes up and I ignore it. And then eventually these things sort of compile. And I realize later on that there was, maybe this person was closed off or maybe they're disconnected or maybe they were like, but the signs were there when I go back and I think about it. And, and, uh, it's really interesting to hear you talk about some of these things because I feel like in some aspects of my life or in some relationships or some times of my life, like I am really good at, especially when I'm clear, right? Like, uh, there's a lot of space in my, in my life, emotional space, psychological space. There's not a lot of stress. I'm really pretty good at listening to that intuition and knowing when the right time to step through certain doors. And there's other times where uh I'm overstimulated or I'm busy or whatever. There's different things happening in my life that I miss these signs or ignore them, and when I do, I always pay a consequence for that.
1: yes, but you're and, and there and that what you just said is the reason why it is so important for us to find ways to continually create that space you I love the word that you use space, create that emotional psychological space. Because that is when we can hear the intuition more, most clearly, the inner guidance, all of that. We can read our own feelings more clearly. So um, when we allow our lives to get too busy and overwhelming, that's when we're at risk of missing our own inner guidance. That's why the self-care and the self-love is so important.
0: If somebody wants to work with you, um, how, how do you work? Do you do, I feel like this, is, this would be something that would be tough to do in online classes.
1: Now I do have three right now. I have currently have three online classes available, um, all around some aspects of cultivating self-love, and um, so they're on my website. I also do coaching in you know, a private mentoring, either in person or by phone or Skype or Viber or whatever, um, which is very effective. And I do teach classes, um, both uh, virtual and live. I, I don't have any on my calendar in this moment because I'm in the process of kind of reforming all of my teaching materials. But yeah, so any, all those formats are available.
0: Cool. Any last uh, recommendations, suggestions, words of wisdom for the people who are listening?
1: Well, one of my, kind of one of my taglines is, remember always that you matter, and that what you love matters. That you matter, and what you love matters. And, and that truly, the relationship you have with yourself is the most important relationship in your
0: life. I just keep thinking about purpose, like uh, this. Like as you're saying these things, um, how getting in tune with the things that you're describing, I feel like it's through this process. It would it, be much easier. Purpose will sort of like evolve naturally. Uh, yeah, that's something that just keeps kind of coming up for me.
1: Exactly. And and that's, I love the word you use, evolve. Again, it isn't necessarily a singular thing that we have to go after. It's a, it, it evolves. We live into it. You know, it just becomes, yes, it evolves. I, I couldn't say it better.
0: Suzanne, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been a pleasure. And if you're listening to this, you want to learn more about Suzanne uh, and the work that she does, we're going to post some links on the Craft Christmas website, and within the description of this podcast so that you can find out about her more easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me.
1: It's been a great pleasure, Chris. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's dating coach Chris Lona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter. Share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.